Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, October the 31st, 2018. It's 8 a.m. New York time. That's 5 p.m. Los Angeles time. And it is, I think we're still, I think they're now in regular time. So in London, it's 12 noon. So happy lunchtime to those of you who are in London time. And uh, we're also live streaming this to the Law of Attraction Change My Life group. So we're, we're reaching out on a number of different uh, channels here, a number of different functions. And uh, that, that's exciting to me, Cindy, because it means we're reaching more people. We're helping more people get their daily dose of happy. That makes me happy. Very good. Yeah, good stuff going on. <laughs> so how are you doing? You, doing you, you told me before the podcast you got a little more sleep. That's got to be good. Yeah, yeah. I did not sleep well the night before. I, I never have trouble falling asleep. It's mm. that four or five hours afterwards I wake up sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and so last night, much, much better, and uh, woke Good. up this morning feeling like I had actually gotten some sleep. So yeah. that's always a better way oh, to yeah. start the day than <laughs> much better. <laughs> the alternative, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the alternative good. is like, oh, God, do I have to go through the day now? <laughs> but uh, no, when you have the sleep, it makes it so much easier. So that's a good thing. So we yeah, are so. We're, we're continuing our conversation about Neville Goddard's book, Feeling is the Secret. And uh, this is, this is I guess, the third – is this the third book we've done? Third or fourth. I can't remember which. But uh, – uh, I don't remember either. And, I, I, you know, so much of Neville's work kind of – weaves in with everything you know because he's he has concepts that he'll repeat so when we when i was looking for where can we go next because we've gotten comments of a really enjoying neville you know so i thought okay let's keep going because i love neville um and i went back and looked in the archives because i was like which ones have we covered and which <laughs> ones haven't we covered because i wasn't sure if we covered this one um but i think this is the third one so we what we did was we we took some bits and pieces out of the law and the promise because he's got such great stories in that one letters that people have written but we haven't read the entire book we've pulled out some uh, testimonies and then yeah we'll we, have to do that one more completely sometime yeah right so we did awakened imagination and out mm -hmm. of this world and this right. one is feelings the secret sounds about right so yeah i remember we yeah. did last spring i think it was we did kind of a, a general uh retrospective on neville without focusing on a particular book but i think we drew from a couple different sources of his there so right yeah. so neville's gotten some love from us yeah oh absolutely yeah and i'm, yeah. I'm learning to appreciate <laughs> him more and more especially when you have the neville decoder ring that helps a lot uh, yes but, but uh, <laughs> i'm beginning to appreciate there, there's a lot of depth to the guy and, and it's good stuff so um, yeah, I, it is. It's good stuff, and it's uh, slightly different perspective occasionally from maybe what we get with Abraham Hicks. Right. Um, it, it all does seem to. What's that saying? It all comes out in the wash. You know, mm -hmm. it does kind of seem like okay. The, here we. This is this is very very congruent with Abraham Hicks' teaching and most other New Thought or Law of Attraction teachings. But there are some little twists and turns in there that and and methods and that's what I like about Neville is his ability to be very clear about a specific method and so I know we've been practicing some of those and that's been really great for me I mean I can just feel it uh, but you know you were talking about um, a movie mm. Yeah, it was that actually recommended had some to me. Good information. Yeah, it was recommended to me by Louis D'Souza, who does the uh, Monday morning podcast with me, called E Hyphen Motion, E Motion, and uh, I was I actually checked my library and found I could download it, which was really cool. I didn't know I could do that through the library. So with my library card, I got a download of the video, but uh, watched that last night. And um, like I was telling you before the podcast, it, like any of these uh, sources, it has its weaknesses, and I outlined the what they were, mainly that it was very repetitive for the first 15 minutes or so. Uh, but it did have some good stuff in it. And I, I think I, overall I would recommend it. Anyone who wants to take a look at that movie, it's a little long. It, I mean, they did it in two hours. They probably could have done it in 45 minutes and still you know, not left anything <laughs> out. But nevertheless, the, the content is good. And it actually cued something that I was telling you about before the podcast, recognition of something that you've told me about before and Wendy Dillard has told me about. Others have mentioned, too, the importance of when an emotion comes up that's not a good feeling emotion, not dismissing it, not putting it aside, but 
being ready for it and saying, hey, thank you for coming, and I'm, I'm ready to understand whatever the message is that you've got to tell me, and let's dive into it and find out what it is so that I can help you dissolve and go away. And that's, I don't know why, for some reason, that, that's one of those things that kind of stuck in my mind in sort of an abstract sense, but I hadn't really integrated it, and there was something in the movie that just kind of clicked and said, oh, you got something really big you've been dealing with right now, and you're not integrating it. Come on, get out, get with the program. Well, you know, you said something, and I... I was sitting over here when you said it, I went, oh, my goodness. You know, it, one of those things that's so easy to overlook, and that is when we have something in our life that we do on a regular basis or that we've experienced, you know, more than once and, and somewhat regularly, and it's something we don't like mm. or it's something that causes us to go, ugh, that, it's that time again. You yeah, know? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it could be something small. You know, I hate mopping floors, right? It's like, ugh. But I do it all the time. Um, and so what you said was that, so, you know, it's time to do this, and, and that emotion shows up again. And I just think I, I don't delve into it because, well, it's it's here because there's this thing I don't want to do. Yeah, pretty much. And and so And it's so easy to let that be the reason without taking the next step of, you know, delving into it. So, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be like this. Maybe this doesn't have to be the thing I don't like to do. Maybe I can find a way to alleviate this. But we so often just think, ugh, this again. And, right? And don't, I mean, I when you said it, I was recognizing in myself, oh, yeah, like, that happens, sure. And so, because we're talking about you know, because we're reading Neville and we're talking about feelings, <laughs> and you feelings brought it. Is the and I always, <laughs> I didn't know there was that movie. I'd never heard of it, and mm. um, I, I don't think I thought I really invented this. But I often will explain <laughs> people, um, emotion, energy in motion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they were saying because you said it's e hyphen motion. I don't know. That was that was the theme basically. Yeah, that that yeah, uh, we are all energy. It, yeah. And that emo- and that emotions need to move. Mm-hmm. So you know, like sadness often comes with tears. There, there's a response. And you know, I read an article once uh, that our body builds up certain types of toxins. I kind of joke. You know, we are just like a sack of chemicals, right? So our body <laughs> builds up certain toxins that can only be cleared by crying. Mm. Those toxins get released in tears, and that is it. And it's like, how many people never allow themselves any tears? Oh, geez, yes. Right? And yet sadness, that's one of the ways sadness moves in the body. Um, and so, you know, certain, well, I've heard it said about certain uh, groups of people and how they grieve and mourn, and other groups... <laughs> I heard someone say, have you ever been to a, a white person funeral? <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> stepping down their feelings and barely sniffing and mm-hmm. not moving and <clears throat> choking it down, right? Um, but grieving and mourning, it needs to move through the body, and it does that often with keening and crying. And so every emotion has a way of moving in the body. It doesn't mean we have to get inappropriate or do anything that we're going to be sorry about, but... You know, I always make sure to make that disclaimer with anger, right? It's like there are appropriate ways to process anger. Some of, you know, we can start with just saying, I feel really angry about this. Yeah. We don't have to throw things, yell, nope. shoot anyone, nope. you know, do anything violent. Nope. It doesn't have to be violent. And so, but if we let the emotions move, uh, and I think that's what the E is, right? It's like energy in mm-hmm. motion. It's like. Ah, so I'm really actually excited about this, even though I know it's going to take me maybe two hours to get 45 minutes. (laughs) Well, you also mentioned (laughs) sadness, and there was a really cool, I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but there was one really, really cool scene where uh, the the two names that I recognized in the movie were Neil Donald Walsh, who, who of course, is the author of the Conversations with God series of books. Right. And also Dr. Joe DiPenzio, who has a number of books out about the relationship between mind and body and all the different ways that our mind directly impacts the body and can be um, experimented with and tested with from a scientific perspective. Um, And I think it was Dr. DiPenzio who was telling this part, but I could be wrong. He was talking, whoever was doing this part of the presentation said, um, 
that you can do muscle testing, and I'm sure you're familiar with muscle testing, um, yes. to, to basically indicate to yourself whether or not you have a, a, a strong positive emotional reaction to something or a negative reaction. And if there's a negative reaction, it's a clue that, okay, this is something you need to explore further. Well, he mm. said not only does it work with humans, it works with animals. And as an example, they, they gave us an example of a horse who was lame. And veterinarians had been looking at the horse. They couldn't figure out why he was lame. There was no clear indication for it. So this practitioner, I think it was Dr. Depenzia, um, went to see the horse and set up a kind of a human chain to the horse so that he could do muscle testing with the horse. And what he did was he had uh, his subject person, who kind of was the intermediary, holding his hand on the horse, I think on the horse's flank. And then the other uh, arm, he was being he was using as the muscle testing. And so uh, the person who was, who was uh, running the test, so to speak, would push down the guy's arm after he asked the question of the guy, and, and the, the signal of the question would get through to the horse by touching the horse. And he, he started asking the horse, you know, why are you having this? Are you, are you uh, angry? No. Are you frustrated? No. Are you um, upset? No. Are you this? You know, the whole list of negatives. He couldn't find it. Finally, he said, are you sad? And the answer came back, yes. Okay, so you're sad. What are you sad about? Are you sad about not being able to run? No. Are you sad about not having enough food? No. Are you sad? About, I mean, he went through this whole list and, and couldn't figure out what it was. Are you sad about um, your fellow horses? No. Are you sad about the people who own you? No. Are you sad about other animals here in, in who, who are part of the farm? No. He was running out of ideas. He finally saw a bird flying by. He said, are you sad about birds? And the horse said, yes. What? <laughs> 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 and, and, and so he delved into that further. And, and long story short, what he, what he learned is that the horse had been in his stall and had observed a small infant bird falling out of a nest in the barn, landing on the ground. And because the, the bird was so small and so newborn, couldn't take care of itself, and he watched it die. And it made him sad. And he couldn't do anything about it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Wow. And, and he walked through the, walked the horse through, um, you know, basically expressing that feeling. And the next thing they did, they took the horse out in the meadow and the horse was running along, along like normal. So he had healed himself by expressing the sadness. Oh, that's, wow. Isn't that something? At first I thought you were going to tell me, are you sad about birds? Yes. It's like the horse wants to fly. I was trying to figure it. out where are you going with this? I mean, wow. You, so it was, it isn't was that amazing? Sad. Over wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to watch yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that just whoa! I watched that one. That blew me away. <laughs> well, you know the whole um, big idea about tapping. We've talked about tapping before, mm-hmm. and a lot of people know it's abbreviated EFT. Right. So you're tapping on these meridians, and you're you know, but and you're asking yourself questions, and you're making affirmative statements, and there's many many different methods now that it's blown up so huge. Um, but EFT is emotional freedom technique. That's what that stands for, mm-hmm. and that's also what it has to do with. Is and we've seen, I mean, there's plenty of testimonies of people getting healed from physical. You know, you're talking about the horse being lame and then running. From people being healed of physical things, uh, pain and other physical suffering once they are able to release, uh, the emotion that it's connected to. Mm-hmm. Emotional freedom techniques. So feelings are a big deal. Emotions are a big deal. I'm glad that we're <laughs> talking about it. And, and the idea that not only can we feel better emotionally and mentally but physically Mm. as well a horse is a big strong animal to think that the horse was unable to run because of an emotion like sadness um that's a that's a big deal it is it's an eye-opener really yeah because it shows not only do, do animals have emotional feelings and and very powerful ones, but they're so powerful they can actually render a horse lame. Well, our emotions are incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've for years, and I am not the person that owns tons of animals, you know. Um, I know people that have dozens of animals. I, I 
have only had a few pets in my life. Um, Plus but, an owl flying past your window. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm very, I feel very connected to birds, um, and I've had some pet birds on occasion. I'm not crazy about keeping a bird in a cage, yeah. but I've had some little dogs. And whenever I hear someone say, well, animals don't have emotion, I'm like, what? <laughs> How can you even say? Then you've never had a pet. because, right. Or you've never had two two pets that were close and had one of them die because mm. animals grieve. They they feel they definitely feel emotions. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, that's a wonderful, wonderful story. Now I'm excited to watch the movie. Mm. And I love the work that, that Joe Dipendia does. Yeah, um, he's, he's really good. Yeah. Delved into a little bit of his work. And I know I'm trying to think of the woman scientist um, – is it Candace Pert? Pert, yeah. That, Last where, name I couldn't get, but you're right. Candace, Candace yep. Pert. Is yeah. it Miracles um, of Emotion or wait? Mo- she, molecules, she did a, molecules of emotion. Molecule, molecules of emotion. Yeah. She's a scientist, right. and I've always really loved the ideas that she was delving into. But I found her book difficult for me to get through, just because it was very, very. Um, it's not that it was like science I couldn't understand, but it was very, what's the word I'm looking for? Clinical, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, you know, I have read some of it, but I don't think I finished it and I wanted to, but at the time it was just, I just wasn't doing well with reading through it. And so Joe Dispenza's made it, uh, I, maybe it's just his writing style or, you know, his speaking style, but I've, I've liked to have, I think it's the same information. I think they're all going for the same thing there. Mm-hmm. So that's been. Well, the thing I've noticed about Dr. Joe Depenzia compared to Candace Pert, they both tell stories, but Depenzia's stories are more frequent and more detailed. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted more stories. Yes. <laughs> when I was reading. We love you know, stories. Probably I need to go back and pick that book up again, and I'd probably read it and say, why did I have trouble reading this before? <laughs> I mean, I've done that with a number of books. I've done it with Neville. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like sometimes sometimes it's not the time to be reading a particular book. So I certainly want to, don't want to dissuade anyone from picking up uh, Candace Pert's Molecules of Emotion, and who knows, she may have something new or by now that's that's different, but all good stuff. Well, actually, she, unfortunately, stuff. she passed a few years ago, so she's not going to be writing anything more in this life. But uh, she... Oh, she, but that... That was her last book. I believe so. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I but it, but it is a worthwhile read. It, it, I mean, uh, yeah, you have to kind of be a little patient with the fact that she she was a clinical researcher. I mean, she was one right, of the original right. researchers to to discover many of the neuropeptides that we know about. You know, that she yes. she's like, well, she was on the leading edge of that stuff. So she did major work, and and the book does a nice job of of laying out stories. You're right; it has sort of that clinical approach to the way it's written so that makes it a little bit tough but you have to kind of get past that but the stories are well worth it they're really good stories well i'm gonna put that on my reading list to read after these 20 books that are stacked over here. <laughs> yes right the, re- <laughs> the list gets a little long doesn't it <laughs> so many books so little time well speaking of time i would love to get into neville if is are there some promos that we'd like to do first? Yes, and in fact, people are going to be surprised to hear that I am modifying the please subscribe uh, promo a little bit because uh, Carlos pointed out something to me yesterday. He said that um, both of his parents tried to subscribe to the podcast and failed because it was, they found it too complex and pointed out that Amazon, for instance, where he used to work, has perfected the one-click order system, which I agree is a wonderful idea. The, the fewer clicks you can make people do, the better. Um, oh, that button's dangerous. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it for, is. You for can someone order that stuff. Loves books as much as me, it's really dangerous. Oh yeah, you have to have a little self-control at times. <laughs> but with that spirit in mind, I was thinking about it last night. Um, before I went to bed, and when I woke up this morning, I realized there is one thing I could do to simplify the process of, of subscribing by one step, and that is I am now going to start putting the subscribe links for both Android devices and for iPhone, iPad, iPod-type devices in the descriptions of each of the shows that we do, both as a live description and the recording of the podcast afterward. So if you're, for instance, if you're listening to us, do the broadcast here in the uh, Facebook group, The Law of Attraction Changed My Life. Look in the description of the post, and you'll see a couple of links that you can click on 
uh, for subscribing, depending what kind of phone you have. And if you're listening to the recorded podcast after the fact, you can do the same thing there. And uh, we're also trying to put the videos up on YouTube, and, and we'll put links there as well. So no matter where you're seeing us, look in the description. And if it's not clickable, just copy and paste the link. The links are going to be pretty obvious. They look like your usual web links. But if you if you uh, can't click it, just copy and paste it, and you'll be good. It'll, it'll, it'll make it very, very easy for you to uh, subscribe to the podcast, at least a lot easier than it was before. Now, we haven't got down to a single click yet. There's still a couple clicks you have to do after you click the, the link that's in the description. But we've reduced it by one. You don't have to go to the homepage of the website anymore, so that's a good thing. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, it's getting better all the time. Yeah, that's right. It's improving every and single easier day. easier all the time, yeah. That's the whole all idea. Right. And we want to make sure that people give us a shout on social media somewhere. Oh, yes. Just say, um, I've been listening to LOA today. Or even you, you you couldn't subscribe before, but you succeeded in su- subscribing today. Let us know that, too. <laughs> that That's a good thing, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that would be great. Awesome. Yes. Well, we love it when you reach out and say hello and mm-hmm. give us a shout. So we we have been delving into... Neville Goddard's book, Feeling is the Secret, and talking a lot about feelings and emotions. And I wanted to mention just quickly, before we start reading, I want to back up to the sentence before where we left off. What you feel, what you feel you are, always dominates what you feel you would like to be. Therefore, to be realized, the wish must be felt as a state that is rather than a state that is not. Yeah, that's important. And we, we, yeah, we were talking about I am's and I am nots and mm-hmm. and talking about feelings. And I, I, I thought that where we left off yesterday was a really interesting conversation about feelings and emotions and the difference. Mm. And the idea that when we talk about, and I think Neville is going to address both of them, but when we talk about feelings, we use that word to describe emotions, and and that's that's okay, that's correct. Mm-hmm. But also, feelings can be just feelings. Yeah, just feeling it, like touching it. I remember, I remember a friend, actually not a client, but years ago, um, going through a divorce, and it was one of those situations where everyone thought that they had a really happy marriage and was shocked that they didn't when they ended up divorcing. And she later said to me, um, every time I heard his car drive up in the driveway, I got a knot in my stomach. Mm, Yeah. Okay, that's a feeling, Mm -hmm. right? Or like feeling stress in your neck or your jaw, feeling tightness. Those are feelings. They may be connected to emotions, and I think that oftentimes they are connected to emotions that we're not willing to express. So they show up in the body as a feeling or like the horse, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't have a way to express that sadness. Apparently not. So it came out as, you know, a physical condition. But there are also feelings that we can just recognize they're neutral. And I think these are the ones that sometimes we overlook, but they will be really good to tap into. So we were talking yesterday about that little vignette, the idea of creating a scene of what it would be like if our wish were, you know, to come true mm-hmm. and that, that, that there are feelings in the scene, there are feelings right now. I can feel myself sitting in this chair. I can feel my hands on the top of the table. I can feel the temperature in the room and none of those are emotional and they're definitely not uncomfortable or sometimes it might get uncomfortable, right? Like I feel cold or whatever. Then you but get emotional. Can... Like, Oh geez, I'm so cold. Ah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So we should be aware of those things, and those things are really because they're not emotional and they're not, hopefully not painful, although pain can be a feeling, Um, but just the neutral ones I'm talking about. Sometimes we, I mean, why should we pay attention to that, you know? But when we're talking about using conscious methods to create reality, they may be important. Well, that's that's why I'm thinking that they are important to pay attention to. I mean, you're right. We do dismiss them because they're just so commonplace, but those are the building blocks that we use when we want to create the vignette. And and I was realizing that just as you were talking about it right now, that so often I'm trying to create a vignette in my head or even in my heart or however you want to look at it. I'm trying to put it together and I'm having trouble piecing it together. 
And I'm realizing one of the reasons is I'm dismissing the little mundane things like you're describing, the things that are just, they don't have a strong emotional content to them, but I can feel the chair, I can feel the table, I can feel the notebook over here, I can feel the laptop, I can feel everything. I can feel that stuff, but I just dismiss it because I feel it all the time. <laughs> right, and I'm thinking, you know, if someone were, you know, I don't want to get too far out, but like we've been talking about and we're going to talk about with Neville, um, dreaming, sleeping, mm. dreaming, and lucid dreaming, right? And the yep. idea of like, am I dreaming? Um, one of the ways that we can become, start becoming more aware of our dreams is to ask ourselves in our, in our waking life, uh, am I dreaming? And, and especially if something strange happens. But I'm thinking, you know, if someone asked me right now, if you were to say to me, are you dreaming? What would I do to know, am I dreaming <laughs> or not? Um, besides looking at a clock and then looking at the clock again, you know, I may wiggle my toes in my shoes a little bit or touch the table or, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm knocking on my desk. I can feel this chair. I, yeah, I'm I'm not dreaming. This is all real. <laughs> and so when we're trying to create reality. It starts to get epistemological, though. It's like, okay, well, we all create our reality. So if I'm experiencing the reality, is it real? <laughs> right? Well, you know, I think it's like there are. Some cultures that take, like the Aboriginal cultures, they take the the nighttime, the dreaming, much more seriously than we do. They they actually kind of have it, you know, in in the other way where we think dreams are just, uh, it's just not real, and then real life is real. They kind of view it from the other perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for us to at least make the intention that we're wanting to become more aware. Of our feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I say that, I'm not always just talking about, oh, you have to admit that you're sad. You know, we have to realize we're feeling frustrated. I don't just mean uncomfortable emotions. I mean actual feelings. And mm-hmm. he starts where we left off yesterday. This sentence starts with the word sensation. Mm-hmm. Sensation precedes manifestation and is the foundation upon which all manifestation rests. Like, I feel we could talk for an hour on that sentence, right? Because it doesn't say emotion. No, it doesn't. And you hear that a lot, right, In when you hear people talking about law of attraction. And I'm not saying that it's not valid, but you do hear it a lot. It's like you have to feel the emotion of it. Like, fire it up. Fire up that emotion. I think, was it Jack Canfield that said, well, he said fire up your faith. But mm-hmm. there was that idea of, like, really feeling it, feeling the emotion Neville here is saying sensation, and I think that's a different thing. Do you? Well, I think it's also much more important. And the reason I say that is you'll see this in, in Facebook discussion groups all the time. People talking about, well, they, I, I don't know what I'm, my emotion is. I, I can't tell. And it's because whatever it is they're trying to visualize doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of emotional content with it. And so yeah. you know, when we're trying to put, when we're trying to piece together what the scene is like, what the vignette is like, Okay, we have one emotion, so there's an emotion here, and there's a big blank here, and there's a big blank here, and there's a big blank here, because (laughs) there's no emotions in those blanks, so we don't know what to fill them in with. But when we start realizing, oh, it's just, you know, everyday feeling, the stuff that we feel, that we can touch, that we can sense, well, we can fill in those senses. Now it becomes easier to fill in the blanks. Yeah, I just, this is like so amazing to me. Because it's really a distinction from some of the other things that we hear. And it's one of those things like we talked about this morning. It's it's so easy to overlook. Oh, God, yes. (laughs) So easy to overlook the feeling of the floor beneath my feet. Mm -hmm. You know, but when we think about Neville's example with his vignette, he talked about uh, there were two that I recall right off the bat. One of them was reaching out and shaking the hand of a friend in congratulations. Mm -hmm. So you're feeling the hand in your hand, and then the other one was walking up a flight of stairs. I mean, you see, so you're feeling maybe the handrail in your hand. You're feeling your feet on the on the steps. He he also talked about just as an example one time. Imagine there's a ladder in front of you, right? Right. Was that the last book? So I think he was, it was telling yeah. the difference between. He said, "Imagine watching yourself climb up a ladder." Then he said, "Imagine the ladder's right in front of you, and imagine you're climbing it." And it's so different because you're reaching out and holding on to the ladder with your hands and you're going up the rungs with your feet. So this is all just sensation. But it's also reminding me of, it's reminding me that because we take the sensations of life for granted so often, 
we actually discount them. And it makes me realize we need to spend more time appreciating our senses. I mean, our senses are wonderful. They give yeah. us tremendous information that most of the time we're, you know, we're processing the information, but we're forgetting where we got it from, you know? But we can smell things. We can taste things. We can see things. We can hear things. We can touch things. Those are really pretty cool things to be able to do, to be able to see, touch, hear, smell, and taste. I mean, that's just, that's amazing stuff. And yet we take it for granted. Well, maybe we should stop taking it for granted. A practice that I started doing years ago um, is, and and I I will say I haven't been doing it lately because I've I've been doing the Neville practice, but it certainly doesn't have to be exclusive. Um, And it only takes a second. But that was as I was falling asleep or, you know, when I was getting ready for bed at the end of the day and turning the light off, shutting my eyes, I would think back on my day and I would think of something that I appreciated uh, for each of the senses. Like I I heard a particular, maybe I heard someone, you know, had a phone call and heard the voice of somebody I loved. And maybe I smelled some flowers and I tasted something. And, you know, I would go through all five senses which I, literally it takes 10 seconds. and But what I noticed, and I, I made a rule for myself because at the beginning, every night when I did it, you know, I would I would feel my little Maltese puppy's fur and I would smell the coffee and I would taste chocolate. You know, you could really tell what was important to me because every night it was the same story. <laughs> and so I made a rule for myself. I was like, okay, it has to be different. It has to be different every night. You can't come in here and be thankful for the same five <laughs> things that you've touched and tasted and smelled and, you know, it has to be different. And so what ha- what I noticed happening maybe a week into it is that uh, somebody had sent me roses and there were, were uh, you know, big bouquet of roses on the table. And as I walked through the room and leaned down to smell them, I said, ooh, this can be the smell for tonight. Oh, and it hit me that all of a sudden, in my daytime life, I was becoming very aware of, I was collecting sensations for the nighttime meditation, yeah, right? Sure. I was like, oh, okay, I've got that down. And, and so my senses started, my awareness of what I was hearing and tasting and seeing and smelling and feeling really opened up. It's like suddenly I was paying attention. And I think it's a wonderful exercise. And I... I I really one. believe it played into my ability to to manifest things. It's a good idea. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having the same things over and over again, but you don't want to just stay there because you're not going to grow if you're doing that. And and that's what you recognize, which is wonderful to recognize. And then you found this really cool way to start tying other things in. It's a good idea. I like it. Yeah. So, you know, you were talking about the importance of not overlooking. And, like, this is one of the ways that we can do that. Very it doesn't take very much time, right? Yeah. So. Okay, so let's dive into Neville. Neville says, sensation precedes manifestation and is the foundation upon which all manifestation rests. Be careful of your moods and feelings, for there is an unbroken connection between your feelings and your visible world. Your body is an emotional filter and bears the unmistakable marks of your prevalent emotions. Emotional disturbances especially suppressed emotions are the cause of all disease. That needs an underline right there. Mm-hmm. To feel intensely about a wrong without voicing or expressing that feeling is the beginning of disease. Dis-ease in both body and environment. Do not entertain the feeling of regret or failure for frustration or detachment from your objective results in disease. That's a, so confusing, that's, that's a confusing sentence, that last one, the way it's phrased. Do not entertain the fi- Perhaps I read it wrong. Um, do not entertain the feeling of regret or failure for frustration or detachment from your objective. <laughs> Can you read it in a, in a way that it makes better sense to yeah, you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm trying to, to do exactly what you're trying to do. Let me tr- Let me see if I can do it. Do not entertain the feeling of regret or failure for frustration or detachment from your objective results in disease. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Do not, you have to read so it just the right com- way, otherwise it doesn't make comma. any sense. <laughs> yeah, you need a comma, right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so frustration or detachment from your objective. And what's interesting is that I see that when, when we're disappointed, 
and we push it away and don't delve into it so that we can clear it, uh, that causes us to be detached, mm. right? And that re- results in disease. So think feelingly. <laughs> That's an interesting <laughs> word. Think feelingly only of the state you desire to realize. Feeling the reality of the state sought and living and acting on that conviction is the way of all seeming miracles. All changes of expression are brought about through a change of feeling. And when he says expression here, I believe he's talking about manifestation, not facial expression. Um, He's talking about reality being expressed. Do you read it that way? I'm not sure. You've got me wondering about it. Mm -hmm. All changes of expression are brought about through a change of feeling. A change of feeling is a change of destiny. All creation occurs in the domain of the subconscious. What you must acquire, then, is a reflective control of the operation of the subconscious, that is, control of your ideas and feelings. I like this phrasing here about a reflective control. Mm. You know, it's not a it's not a pushing down control or shoving back in the corner control. True. It's it's reflective. It's okay to reflect on what's happening. We need to actually because if we don't, then we are just detaching and shoving it away. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. No, it's true. Chance, chance or accident is not responsible for the things that happen to you, nor is predestined fate the author of your fortune or misfortune. Your subconscious impressions determine the conditions of your world. The subconscious is not selective. It is impersonal and no respecter of persons. The subconscious is not concerned with truth or falsity of your feeling. And we talked about this yesterday, right? That if we say over and over some statement about ourselves, um, you know, I'm ter- we, we say, I'm terrible at math. Oh, I'm awful at math. I've never been good at math. We hear that a lot. Or we hear, I'm terrible at remembering names. Oh, mm-hmm. I never remember a name. Right. I can't remember names. If we tell a story like that, our subconscious does not judge it. It just says, okay. Yep. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you right, for the information. Got, I'll one let, thing I'll, I don't have to remember. <laughs> I'll, I'll commit that one to memory, guaranteed. <laughs> right. So the subconscious isn't concerned, right? Sometimes you, if you make a statement like that, you may have a friend, right, that hears you or your spouse or someone and say, well, that's not true. You're good at math. Why do you say that? Or that's not true. You remember names all the time. You reminded me of what so-and-so's name was the other day. Which usually results in... Our subconscious does not... Well, well, usually results in a dismissal. Like, oh, no, 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 I don't. (laughs) So even though it was pointed out to you that you're good at, you say, no, no, I'm not really good at it. And so you just reinforced it again. (laughs) But but so other humans often are concerned with the truth or falsity of something we we feel or something we say, right? But the subconscious isn't concerned with it. It just says, okay... All right, we can do that. Uh, it always <laughs> accepts as true that which you feel to be true. Feeling is the assent of the subconscious to the truth of that which is declared to be true. I think that's pretty spot on. Because of this quality of the subconscious, there's nothing impossible to man. Whatever the mind of man can conceive and feel is true, the subconscious can and must objectify. Your feelings create the pattern from which your world is fashioned. And a change of feeling is a change of pattern. He's expressing a view of subconscious mind that is very similar to the one that other people in the field, so to speak, um, subscribe to. It was was a major part of the movie, E-Motion, that the subconscious mind is the storage mechanism. Um, in fact, some of the presenters said it was actually the body where the subconscious mind stores stuff. And you, like- you see this a lot. You, you, you see this idea of the subconscious mind as being kind of like a database where all this data is stored. And then, you know, certain data is rewritten based on new input and so forth. But it's just like you said, it's just receiving the information saying, yep, OK, yep, OK, yep, got it. Yep, got it. OK, got it over and over and over again. 
And I'm not sure how much of it is actually metaphor and how much of it is physical. I mean, is the physical body really where the subconscious mind is stored? I'm not really sure. I mean, maybe you have an idea about that. But the same I, theme I plays know. out over and over again. I, I keep seeing it over from over and over from different different gurus, from different experts, from you know everybody in the field. They're, they're all looking at the same way. Well, and you were saying yesterday, and we use this often, right? We we use the computer analogy for mm-hmm. people and for our brain, and you know, you were talking about like the the hard drive where the information is just stored, right? And you know, now we may try to run a program and realize that it's full of bugs, but the <laughs> hard drive just doesn't. It it doesn't say, hey, there's something wrong with this program. No, a bug from uh, a hard drive point of view. Until we try to execute it, then yeah. we realize, oh. <laughs> from, from so a, the subconscious. A hard drive sees a bug the same way as it sees regular data. It's just it's like numbers and and you know stuff that you store. Right. So okay, there's some stuff that we stored. It doesn't know the difference. It's not up to the hard drive to figure out the difference. That's what the program's yeah. for. And you know what's interesting is that you're saying we hear this over and over the same idea, and mm-hmm. Neville wrote this in 1944. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't have all of the research. The scientific research, the brain research, we didn't have computers, so, uh, or at least not computers like we have today. Uh, I find so it fascinating I, that Devil was actually a contemporary of Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill got all the attention, but but Neville Goddard laid it out much more clearly than Napoleon ever did. Not that Napoleon Hill's <laughs> stuff is bad, don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. that what Neville writes is a lot more precise than what what Napoleon Hill wrote. Napoleon Hill's favorite thing to say was... I don't have to explain this to you. If you know what I'm talking about, it'll be obvious to you. I mean, he didn't say it exactly that way, but that was the message. You know, okay, you know, everyone who understands this stuff is going to get it. I don't have to tell them. Well, <laughs> Neville says, well, he, no, he I got to tell you. He actually, he, he really did kind of say it that way. He did, right? yeah. Because it was over and over. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. You're just going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Hey, tell me, stop. Tell me. <laughs> Neville's like, I'll tell them. Yep. I'll tell them. But he's the one who got no. ignored. That's that's what's so mind-boggling about it. Oh well. Napoleon Hill said, "Go ahead and tell them they're going to they're going to ignore you. They're, they're going to relegate you to obscurity." <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I'm doing what I can to correct that. Okay, so, <laughs> that's a good thing too. <laughs> the subconscious never fails to express that which has been impressed upon it. The moment it receives an impression, it begins to work out the ways of its expression. It accepts the feeling impressed upon it, your feeling, as a fact existing within itself and immediately sets about to produce in the outer or objective world the exact lightness of that feeling. The subconscious never alters the accepted beliefs of man. It outpictures them to the last detail whether or not they are beneficial. Outpictures them. That's an interesting Ooh. phrase. I like to use that word, and I use that word sort of often, and I'm wondering now, did I get it from Neville? Maybe I got it from Neville. I have never heard that phrase, out-pictures. I mean, it's descriptive, you know, basically creating outside uh, pictures or, or examples or realities, but it's it's well, it's... It, it, it kind of expresses it nicely. It's basically saying that all the manifestations that turn into physical reality do so through the subconscious mind, and that's the word we use to describe that process. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to know what you believe and what you think about yourself and what your story is? Look around. Yeah, right. <laughs> Boy, is that true. So, to impress the subconscious with the desirable state, you must assume the feeling that would be yours had you already realized your wish. In defining your objective, you must be concerned only with the objective itself. The manner of expression or the difficulties involved are not to be considered by you. Now, I think we're talking about the hows. Mm, Sounds like it, yeah. To think feelingly on any state impresses it on the subconscious. Therefore, if you dwell on difficulties, barriers, or delay, the subconscious, by its very non-selective nature accepts the feeling of difficulties and obstacles as your request and proceeds to produce them in your outer world. Doesn't that bug you when it does that? (laughs) Yesterday I saw somebody in a discussion, in a law of attraction discussion, um, they said 
they were reminded of Esther saying, I hate the law of attraction. <laughs> and I started laughing because I've never heard her say it. But, you know, I don't listen to Esther as much as everyone else. And I oh. cracked up. I was like, I could totally hear. I mean, I, can't, I can hear it in my imagination, right? Sure. I can imagine her saying, uh. oh, don't you hate the law of attraction? Yes, because of this right here. <laughs> because of our of our subconscious and its very non-selective <laughs> nature. It's going to just accept the feeling of difficulties as our request and say, here you go. I, I here can, you go. Have a difficulty. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can <laughs> tell you that one, I, I've never been a person who loved to do computer programming, but I have dabbled in it. I've done some minor programming, so I have some sense of what's involved in the process of programming something. And there's nothing like writing a programming script of some kind to render you into the most humble human being on the face of the earth. <laughs> the reason I say that is you, you, you write all this code to have the program, have the computer or the device do a certain thing. And then it, you, you say, okay, run that code. And it starts to run and then it breaks. And every time that it breaks, it's because it's stopping at the point where what you wrote actually doesn't make any sense. And so it's yes. your job to go back and figure out what is it that I wrote that doesn't make any sense. That's what debugging is. Debugging is just going back over and over and over and over and over again, finding all the little ways that you make, wrote code that didn't make sense. And when, when you've done that for a while, it's amazing. After writing just like, you know, a hundred lines of code, which sounds like a lot, and it is, but in the context of computer programming, it really isn't a lot of code. You go through trying to make that hundred lines of code work perfectly. You, you you just run into so many different situations as you're playing with that code where what you wrote didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And that then that oh. thing is always about three lines back from where you think it is. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Because the error messages don't tell you anything about what it is. Oh, you know, processor error. Oh, thank you very much. You know, I knew that. <laughs> oh yes. So. So, you know, that's an interesting thought, though, that what what you said to start that story about uh, humbling us. Oh, it really does humble you. Oh, yeah. And I so I think that all of these things, even though we're we're joking and saying, oh, I hate the law of attraction, you know, all of it's part of the process. It is. Even when it even when it and I'm making air quotes over here, even when it doesn't work because it always works. But mm -hmm. even when it doesn't work the way we think it should be working uh, like that like the computer code, you know, it's, um, it's still part of the learning process and part of, part of our human process. And so it's okay. Trust the process mm -hmm. and just keep going. It's a reminder um, to me that when I'm, when I'm, uh, trying to apply the law of attraction and I'm not getting the results that I want to get, it means I wrote the code wrong and I have to go back and I have to find where the bug <laughs> is in the code. That that's what, right. which is, which means once again, the responsibility is mine. It's up to me to do something about it. It's not up to somebody else. It's not somebody else's thing to fix. It's mine. It's mine to fix. Yeah. Well, and, and there's a lot of power in that if we'll look at it that way. Mm -hmm. If we'll recognize that we don't have to depend on someone else to fix it. Yeah, we don't have to wait power. for someone else to change their behavior. That's right. Uh, it's it's We can step up and take responsibility, and that's a very empowering place to be, knowing that we can change it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So Neville says the subconscious is the womb of creation. It receives the idea un unto itself through the feelings of man. It never changes the idea received, but always gives it form. Hence, the subconscious outpictures the idea in the image and likeness of the feeling received. To feel a state as hopeless or impossible is to impress the subconscious with the idea of failure. That's something we definitely don't want to be doing. But it's also so, how you write buggy code. <laughs> That's an example of it. That's how you write a code that doesn't work the way you wanted it to. It produces a result that was different from what you had in mind. Does that mean you should ignore it? No, it just means that's what you wrote. Right. And we realize that, I mean, this particular idea about hopelessness um, or something being impossible I always want to address that right away whenever mm. whenever I see it in a client or whenever I see it myself because we can't create anything from hopelessness. No. Well, nothing that we want anyway. Yeah, except just more reasons to feel hopeless. Exactly. 
And yep. so, but once, it doesn't really take all that much to give us hope, to restore our hope. It's interesting, isn't um, it? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And once our hope is restored, then we can move towards faith, mm-hmm. which is where we start knowing we can create something. So it's important to recognize um, although the subconscious faithfully serves man, it must not be inferred that the relation is that of a servant to a master, as was anciently conceived. Now, here we're going to get into a lot of New Testament stuff that I may vehemently disagree with. <laughs> um, well, we'll just put the the, the uh, decoder ring on. That makes it easier to handle it. Right, the New and Testament that's what stuff. I'm saying. So that's going to be important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we also realized it was 1944. This is true. Um, yes. The ancient prophets called it the slave and servant of man. Okay, so he's talking about the the subconscious. The ancient prophets called it the slave and servant of man. St. Paul personified it as a woman, and woman is in quotes, Mm. and said the woman should be subject to man in everything. The subconscious does serve man and faithfully gives form to his feelings. However... The subconscious has a distinct distaste for compulsion and responds to persuasion rather than to command. Consequently, it resembles the beloved wife more than the servant. Yeah, you're right. This is one of those phrases where your skin crawls as you read it. <laughs> well, but but if we if we realize what Neville is saying, he's saying, and, and I love that he's uh, allowing St. Paul to be um, you know, to be able to take credit for St. Paul uh, personifying the subconscious as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure that I think Paul may, be, may have been being a little more literal here. I don't think he was having his Neville decoder ring and that when he said the woman should be subject to a man and everything, I don't think Paul was talking about the subconscious, but uh, I'm I, glad that Neville saw it that way. <laughs> personally, I think Paul was probably dipping into the sacramental wine, but okay, I'll, I'll take your <laughs> argument. so neville says the subconscious does serve man and faithfully gives form to his feelings however and i like this i think this is there's some truth here the subconscious has a distinct distaste for compulsion and responds to persuasion rather than to command Uh, he says that that in his mind that that causes the subconscious to resemble a beloved wife more than a servant or a slave. Mm. I'm okay with all of that. Mm -hmm. What I see is that if we look at it from a human standpoint and we just toss out the gender, um, most people are going to have a distaste for compulsion and respond better to persuasion, right? That's why why we (laughs) say, well, let me persuade you. That's right. Right, so and that's why we're such so we're, we're we're such failures when we do try to persuade somebody else because we're trying and we're really trying to compel them. We won't admit to it, but that's what we're trying to do. Right, <laughs> and we respond better to persuasion. In other words, and a lot of times, you know, persuasion is something that's tapping into our feelings. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so he's going to start the next paragraph with a, a verse from Ephesians. He says, "The husband is." head of the wife <laughs> i'm just imagining someone that's just tuning in like i'm never listening to that woman again this is like if a problem picasso I'm, I'm imagining this picasso piece with a, literally a head uh, 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 the husband head on the <laughs> wife is like well what the heck is this <laughs> so so i love that neville goes to say uh that may not be true of man and woman in their earthly relationship But it is true of the conscious and the subconscious, or the male and female aspects of consciousness. The mystery to which Paul referred when he wrote, this is a great mystery, he that loves his wife loves himself, um, and they too shall be one flesh, is simply the mystery of consciousness. Now now see where Neville is? This is why I love Neville. Consciousness is really one and undivided. But for creation's sake and I would put the word conscious creation sake in there, mm. it appears to be divided into two. I love uh, the, the, conscious, word, the, the word appears. The, That's, that to me is the big word in the sentence. It appears to be divided into two. And I don't think right. it actually is divided into two, but we often treat it as if it is. That's what we were referring right. to earlier when we talked about uh, the, the common model about what the subconscious mind is. And it's useful to do that. It's useful to, to describe it that way. But I think I think it's actually true that it's only an appearance. It's not a reality. 
Yeah, and he says consciousness is really one. Mm-hmm. It's undivided. Yeah. Uh, but for creation's sake, it appears to be divided into two. Right. The conscious, objective, or male aspect truly is the head and dominates the subconscious, subjective, or female aspect. Um, however, this leadership is not that of the tyrant, but of the lover. So by assuming the feeling that would be yours, were you already in possession of your objective, the subconscious is moved to build the exact likeness of your assumption. Your desires are not subconsciously accepted until you assume the feeling of their reality, for only through feeling is an idea subconsciously accepted, and only through this subconscious acceptance is it ever expressed. It's easier to ascribe your feelings to events in the world than to admit that the conditions of the world reflect your feelings, right? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel this way because of what's going it on. It made no, me feel that way. It made me do it. <laughs> I didn't. It wasn't me at all. <laughs> right. However, it is eternally true that the outside mirrors the inside. And that's a hermetic principle, right? As within, so without. Oh, and then he says, as within, so without. Oh, there it is, yeah. As above, so below. As below, so above. As within, so without. As without, so within. Correspondence is the second of the seven principles of uh, Hermes Trismegistus. Oh, my gosh, he's like quoting Hermes now. I'm really, I'm really revved up. (laughs) A man can receive nothing unless it's given him from heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is within you. Nothing comes from without. All things come from within, from the subconscious. It's impossible for you to see other than the contents of your consciousness. Your world, in its every detail, is your consciousness objectified. Objective states bear witness of subconscious impressions. A change of impression results in a change of expression. The subconscious accepts as true that which you feel as true. And because creation is the result of subconscious impressions, you, by your feeling, determine creation. You are already that which you want to be. And your refusal to believe this is the only reason you do not see it. To seek on the outside for that which you do not feel you are is to seek in vain. For we never find that which we want. We find only that which we are. Now he's quoting the Talmud, (laughs) but he doesn't say it. In short, you express and have only that which you are conscious of being or possessing. To him that hath, it is given. Denying the evidence of the senses and appropriating the feeling of the wish fulfilled is the way to the realization of your desire. Mastery of self-control of your thoughts and feelings is your highest achievement. That's something to put on a post-it note Mm. and stick on your desk. It's true. Mastery of self-control of your thoughts and feelings is your highest achievement. However, until perfect self-control is attained so that in spite of appearances, you feel all that you want to feel, use sleep and prayer to aid you in realizing your desired states. These are the two gateways into the subconscious, and that's where we'll pick up next time. That's good. That's the end of the chapter, but but yeah, it draws a nice line there. And I love four or five paragraphs back. It says, you are already that which you want to be, and your refusal to believe this is the only reason you do not see it. And that's exactly what I know I've been wrestling with since I started learning about the law of attraction. But it's true, but nevertheless, for various reasons, I keep resisting it. I keep learning different ways to put the resistance aside over time, but that's it. That's the battle right there. Yeah. Oh, I really love this book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then we're going to continue it. Uh, Not this afternoon. This afternoon, we're going to do a guided meditation that we're going to be live streaming to the Law of Attraction Change My Life group on Facebook. So you want to tune into that. But we'll definitely pick this up next week and go down to chapter two of the book. So, yeah, good stuff. Before we go, Cindy, how does somebody reach out to you as a life coach? Uh, They can reach out to me on my website, cindychavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z. I'd love to hear from you. There we go. All right. Well, then I will talk to you this afternoon when we do a guided meditation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am as well. We hope that you'll join us as well next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.